0: Ah, the ocean. So calming, so relaxing. It's a wonderful reminder that the turning tides of life can calm into beautiful, soft waves. Until we remember the pollution. And the overfishing. And the coral reefs that are dying off faster than we can speak. And according to scientists, climate change will become irreversible by 2030. Holy crap, that's in seven years and, okay. Hang on now, deep breath with me. (sighs) Freaking out isn't going to help, right? Right. But what will help are leaders who are willing to push the boundaries of conservation and humanitarianism, create innovation and action, and lead in uncharted waters. Today on Drink from the Well, we're exploring some vitally important questions for our future on this planet as humans. There's a drop of inspiration, a dash of creativity, plenty of communication, and there you have it, our executive elixir. This is Drink From The Well. How can we make a difference in the world when our future is so uncertain? Can conservation, activism, and capitalism coexist? How are leaders today pushing boundaries, innovating, and making inroads to change our future on this planet? As we begin, let's go back to our ocean. (sighs) Thanks, Ocean. It's no secret that massive changes have happened in the ocean in the last 50 years. But don't just take my word for it.
1: Our seas are dying, and not enough people are out there trying to take care of it or prevent it. And as I've said now for almost 40 years, if the seas go, they're our last resource for food, water, energy, and medicine.
0: That was Jan Koblik. You might not have heard of Jan, But anyone who has spent time in the world of ocean conservation sure has. He has been an instrumental leader in ocean exploration and conservation for over 50 years, a lifetime of creating and managing educational facilities and leading conservation efforts in order to advance public knowledge and understanding of the ocean environment and its importance.
1: Anniversary of the underwater lab facility, which is the Underwater Hotel.
0: And yes, you heard that right he has an underwater hotel. More on that later.
1: The second thing is that we're celebrating our 52nd anniversary of our nonprofit foundation, Marine Resources, which runs marine education programs for over 5,000 kids a year, pandemic years not included. And then I'm deeply involved on the board of directors and, and run some of the programs with a, a, a new foundation called OCE. OCEEF.org. And OCEF has just acquired uh, Ray Dalio, the, the billionaire's uh, research vessel, which was previously called the Aleutian. Now it's called the Odyssey. And that is off going around the world doing research and education programs and marine archaeology.
0: How exactly do you get a billionaire to donate a multi million dollar state of the art research vessel to your organization? For Jan, His success comes down to networking and creating relationships that push innovation forward.
1: Think of me as an orchestra conductor. I don't play an instrument. I have always been a behind-the-scenes person. I've been the president of Marine Resources now and the founding director for 52 years. My networking, my contacts. I mean, I was a special assistant to the governor of the Virgin Islands, spent a lot of time in Washington consulting and was a consulting editor of the NOAA Diving Manual. All those things have brought personalities that are now friends. We were working with uh, Ray Dalio's foundation to acquire their ship, and that kind of stalled and stalled and stalled. In the meantime, we met a person who wanted to use a ship like that to take his family around the world so they could be educated. Well, that evolved and evolved.
0: Despite all of Jan's involvement, still only one man. It's not enough to prevent the whole world's oceans from continuing to decline. But the light at the end of the tunnel is seeing the fruits of his leadership.
1: We have had more than 180,000 students and teachers attend our programs here. So when they came and they were only this big, they now come back with their kids that are that big. And they say, this is where it all started. This is how I became a science teacher. This is how I became an engineer. This is how I became a marine geologist. It all started by dipping their head in the water and and explaining to them and showing them the excitement of the ocean. And you cannot believe how many of our students have turned into major leaders in the United States in environmental programs and in education. But that's a small number.
0: Conservation focuses heavily on education and revitalization. Think zoos and aquariums, But while education is vitally important it doesn't reach as many people as say a viral video hello friends and welcome to another video this week we're going to be journeying to a completely underwater hotel and staying there overnight that's right tonight we're going to be sleeping with the fishes now it's been a while since we've been
1: you will see exactly the philosophy is not how deep can we go or how many samples of water quality can we take. It's how can we develop interesting, real science programs and education programs that will attract millions and millions of individuals. So we're looking at millions, not thousands, millions and millions.
0: When we come back, we'll discuss how Jan is now reaching millions and millions of people using what else? That underwater hotel. Hello, Leader Listener. We've put together a handy discussion guide for every episode of Drink from the Well. Make these topics part of your next mastermind or lunch and learn. It's less commitment than a book club and guaranteed to not be boring. Now open up a browser on your phone and go to drinkfromthewellpodcast.com while you listen to the rest of the episode. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Let's dive right in. Pun completely intended. Like your average hotel, Jules Undersea Lodge has Wi-Fi, a TV, a shower, and a bedroom. Unlike a normal hotel, visitors must enter by scuba diving 5 feet below the surface. You can even request the services of a mer chef, who will scuba dive into the hotel and cook you a meal. The hotel started out as a research lab, but since it was converted into a hotel, Jules Undersea Lodge has hosted a deluge of curious clientele and it was the novelty of the underwater hotel that brought us into conversation with Jan in the first place. We were not the first to be intrigued. YouTube influencer Ryan Trahan came and stayed at Jules Underwater Lodge and shared his experience in a video that went viral to the tune of 24 million views. Fun
2: fact, this hotel is the only underwater hotel in America. It used to be this ocean research lab in the 80s, and then they said, screw it, let's make this the first ever underwater hotel in the world. And voila, Jules Undersea Lodge was born. This might be the coolest thing I've ever seen, and I'm going to spend the freaking night in it right now. Here's my get ready with me for my underwater hotel. Uh...
0: Whether you love it or hate it, we're living in an influencer culture. Jules Undersea Lodge is leveraging our curiosity and using it to bring more people into the world of ocean conservation.
1: I didn't know what influencers were until about two months ago. However, we started with the hotel bringing influencers, and we just did one with uh, a following a nine million. They weren't divers, so they had to, they were introduced. They did a resort course, you know, and it's all documented. How do you get involved in the ocean? Come and see us in the keys. And I'm going to really work on that direction of utilizing the influencers that already have huge followings to promote the programs that we're trying to get across.
0: Here's a really big question. Can capitalism and conservation coexist peacefully? Josh Clifford's is proving that it works. He's the founder of Free Water, the world's first free beverage company. It might sound too good to be true, but Josh proves it's possible to have a profitable business, give your product away for free, and fund conservation efforts simultaneously. It all has to do with finding positives in the negative.
2: And so I started a nonprofit organization in Eastern Europe called Save the Refugees. And we found that roughly 20% of them or more had left their country because they didn't have access to water, food, or medicine. And after hearing the same story over and over again, we were compelled to do some research and figure out how many people this could affect, but we couldn't get a straight answer. So we made a guesstimation that roughly 40 million people die every year around the world because of this. But meanwhile, here in the United States, where some of the biggest wasters in the world We throw away $60 billion of food in the trash every year. 33% of all food in the supermarket goes from the supermarket shelf and into the trash because it's too expensive. So I was thinking, hey, how can we kind of kill two birds with one stone? How could we cut the waste? And how could we save lives? And so the goal was to create a system that made saving a life as simple as eating a free slice of pizza.
0: And now we're here. You might be wondering why Josh created a company to combat world hunger when the obvious step was to create a charity. Why go in this particular direction instead?
2: I had founded two nonprofits in the past. One was in California to help obese children, uh, which was a huge failure. And the second one was this nonprofit with the refugees. And from my limited experience with both of those organizations, the issue with a nonprofit is when you run out of money, you're, you're out of operation. And so I was also looking at it from a different perspective. I thought, well, hey, there's been a lot of nonprofits that have been around for roughly 100 years. Like, why hasn't the Red Cross, quote unquote, saved the world? How come companies like Uber were able to scale across the world in a decade or less? And so because of that, I figured it had to be a for-profit solution. But if done right, it could be more philanthropic than most nonprofits. It didn't happen overnight there was a there was a series of events that happened but mainly the inspiration came from knowing that it had to be better than free and so better than free is actually the parent company of our organization i looked at it two ways number one they say in capitalism everything is a zero-sum game so there's one winner one loser and then I didn't want to deal with that. So I decided I was going to create a new system that had a new set of attributes. And then when I started realizing maybe we could go negative because in software, there's actually some negatively priced software such as Acosia, which is Germany's search engine. It's not a competitor with Google, but it's free and it donates like 70% of their revenue or profit to charity. So I looked at that like, wow, that's negative 170% off. But what I realized is, In capitalism or just when things cost money, if two companies are competing, what are they competing at? I didn't think it was very positive, but if you go negative, the only way to make this better than zero is to pay you directly or donate to charity. There's no other way to make a physical product negative. So I thought, okay, if people or companies start competing in this negative zone, now they're competing to help the consumer, strengthen the local economy, help the environment, donate to charity... That's the kind of competition we wanted to involve ourselves in. And I also knew that Coke, Pepsi, Nestle, Uber, Nike, any company, if you just went free, you're making it easier to copy. But if you go negative, they're not built to compete in that realm. And so it just works well.
0: When I first heard about Josh and free water, I had a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of a negatively priced product. How is it possible to end up with a free bottle of water in my hand? I had to find out how it
2: worked. Free water's our first product, and the water's free because the packaging is the ad space. We do aluminum bottles and paper cartons. and it works because the price of advertising has outpaced consumables such as groceries. So the same business model works for a lot of different products: water, soda, beer, uh, cannabis where legal, fruits, vegetables, toiletries, household cleaning items like Windex, all of that sort of stuff. So let's say if you were an Uber driver in, in this city that we're in, Austin, and that's all you did, and you wrapped your vehicle in ads and charged exactly what the taxi company would charge, that's $2,000 a month minimum. For most, that's enough to pay for your car payment, your insurance, your fuel, maybe some of your time. It depends. Believe it or not, the junk mail in your mailbox at your house still has the highest ROI in the USA ad industry. But most importantly, our ad mediums make you happy other advertisers harass you and inconvenience you they attack you and people come to us and they get the water they're happy that we're saving them money they're happy that we're not using plastic bottles they're happy that we donate to charity to save lives on a single box you have a qr code that takes you to a film festival you have one of the best rappers in austin who's up and coming all of his music on spotify a rocker in Austin and his Instagram and all of his music on Spotify. Then you have a TikTok influencer, all of his videos. And then we have a full length Warner Brothers TV show here. And since the TV show was TVMA, we had to put TVMA above the QR code. If you scanned all those QR codes and engaged all those videos, it might be 24 hours worth of entertainment on a single piece of consumer packaging. Our product's a blank canvas, so you could do anything. And so here are two nonprofit organizations from Kentucky, I believe. For both of them, they spend a lot of money on flyers. They spend a lot of money on bottled water. So it just made sense to combine it. Also, they said, you know, they hand someone in the streets a bottle of water, food, also a flyer. They're just going to throw those flyers in the trash. And now you're literally putting that message right in their hand. And so I do think to date, this was the most creative advertisement because They went beyond the means of traditional marketing. Every single free water donates a minimum of 10 cents per charity. It literally says 10 cents on the packaging. And so right now at the 10 cents per beverage, every 150 we give out saves a life in Kenya.
0: If you're listening to the audio-only version of this podcast, we have images and video of everything Josh is showing. When you go to drinkfromthewellpodcast.com. We want you to see these really powerful visuals and make sure that you also go to the Free Water TikTok page to become part of this movement. In fact, Josh encourages anyone with a business or leadership interest to take from his experience. Find out how and what you can learn after this quick break. There's so much noise in the world. How do you get your voice and message about your business or company to the people who need you? Twin Flames Studios can help with our podcasting solutions that are designed to bring the people you're looking for right to your website so you can make a difference in a bigger way. Visit us at TwinFlamesStudios.com. And now, back to the episode. Now, clearly, if you're going to start a business, you want to protect and gatekeep your intellectual property at all costs, right?
2: No, uh, everything we do is open source. We didn't want people to patent any of these things. And so we went the opposite route. Social media was a very big help. And so a lot of founders or inventors get scared. They're like, oh, my God, someone's going to steal my idea. So I just can't tell it to anybody. And it never happens we want the world's biggest companies to copy. We're actually in the process of writing a manual soon. So any company, large or small can copy us or make anything that they feel like making free. And they don't have to make all the same mistakes that I made along the journey. Cause what are they gonna do? Are they gonna beat us at saving the world? I think that social media was really important because I put the vision out there. I didn't hold back. Free water. So people on social media, expressed their concerns, expressed why they thought it wasn't possible. What's wrong with it? Nothing. It's natural spring water. I answered their questions. Which spring? Other companies sell the same exact water for 2 to $3 a bottle. Which spring does it come from? This one came from a spring in Georgia. And then we've amassed half a million social media followers in the last year. And so a lot of our team came from that. A lot of our investors came from that. And now we kind of have a decentralized team of half a million people that help us get stuff done. It's a frenzy because people believe in our why. And so we actually just calculated these numbers recently. But in the first 12 months of TikTok alone, we got 70 million views from 60 million different people. And they watched our content for 35 years. It only takes us a half an hour a day to post our videos, but people consumed it 35 years worth the first year. And around the world, people know what we're doing. People are also reaching out to copy. And we tell them, that's great. Just please don't copy and paste our photos and words off of our website. But if you want to take the business model, go run with it. Most companies use their real estate to brand themselves. But as we're proving, it's much more important to use your real estate to brand others. And so I'll use Coke as another example. We've already calculated if, you know, like on those big rig trucks, if they just left the front of the truck, Coca-Cola, but that whole box truck part of it, if that was advertising, they would increase their revenue a billion dollars a year. But they're not doing it. When you're a legacy company like that, I guess the question to ask themselves or yourself is, do you need it to say Coca-Cola 100% everywhere on the can to know what a can of Coke tastes like or to know what a McDonald's cheeseburger tastes like? Of course not. We all know what they taste like. And so when you reach a certain size, I believe you should kind of switch gears and use your real estate to make more money.
0: Now that you've gotten the okay to copy Josh's business model, let's take a look into his leadership style.
2: I mean, some people say they're going to do stuff and other people try to do it or do it. We just do stuff. And I think there's two types of leaders in the world. There's like the one that's gonna tell everyone what to do, like do this or else, or there's the other ones who empower people to make their own decisions. I try to fall into that latter category because if I'm involved in every company situation, we're not going to move very quickly. And so I just try to give everybody the resources and tools they need to make a quality decision. For me it's mainly guilt to be honest and uh, why why guilt because when i realized that we can make all of these things negatively priced free plus charity equals profit my wife and i were actually pretty much retired living on the beach in montenegro so our rent was 300 dollars a month so we didn't have to work very hard to retire there and i didn't want to mess that up we were really comfortable and i was also scared like At the time, I couldn't type or use a computer. And I'm really bad at reading because now I know I have dyslexia. I was diagnosed this year. And so how was I going to be a tech founder or CEO if I couldn't even type? I was like, no way. This isn't possible. I'm not going to work on this. A hundred days later, I felt so guilty. I I started teaching myself how to use a computer. I started working on the project 70 to 100 hours a week. And um, little by little, here we are. And that's pretty much, I'd say, the only secret I have to success is if you care about something so much that you just can't stop thinking about it, of course, you're going to make it happen because it's, we're going to save 100,000 lives a day. I don't want that on my conscience that I, I knew that I could do it and quit. It's basically the ultimate tool to uh, make it happen, I guess.
0: While Jan's light at the end of the tunnel involves educating future generations, Josh has found a different motive. He's harnessed his anxiety to push the world towards positivity. It's a solid reminder that motivation doesn't always need to be warm, happy, and fuzzy. It's only human to be concerned for our future, and our planet needs more help. But as leaders like Josh and Jan show us, giving up hope and quitting is not the way. It's possible to do well and do good in this world if we've got the vision to make a difference willingness to throw out old ways of doing things, creativity to push innovation, vulnerability to create relationships and make connections, resilience to get you through the hard times, and faith in yourself that you're the one, that you will find a way. That's today's Leadership Elixir for leading in uncharted waters. I'm Tina Dietz, your Enchantress of Enterprise, and thank you for joining us today. We want to hear about what you're creating and how you're leading in ways that are making a difference in the world, no matter how large or small. Come and join the conversation at drinkfromthewellpodcast.com. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and share this episode with a colleague. We'll be back with another episode and we're always here to refresh and entertain you anytime you need a drink from the well. Drink From the Well is an original production of Twin Flames Studios and our magical team, including Elena Carley, Derek Blackburn, Nadia Cox, Stephen George, and me, Tina Dietz. This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.